Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Hi, this is Laura. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is episode 31, during which we'll be interviewing Rachel Unger, who is Sarah's sister-in-law, in addition to being a wonderful and fascinating person who we're going to learn about how she balances work and life. So since she's actually sitting next to Sarah recording, this, <laughs> she's going to be part of the whole episode. Um, so, I mean, we could just go ahead and dive right in, right, Rachel? You want to introduce yourself to everyone? Uh, yes, uh, I am Rachel Unger, and as you said, I am sitting next to my sister-in-law, Sarah. So I live on Miami Beach. I am a public school teacher here on Miami Beach, and I am married to an amazing man named <laughs> Mike, um, who is an attorney, and we've been married for, you won't believe this, 13 years in June. Right? I will, I right? we've been married for one year less. <laughs> I always do the math and I'm like, I can't believe it's actually 13, but it's lucky 13. Yes. Um, and I have two kids, Max, who is 10 in fourth grade, and Ellie, who is almost nine and in third grade. And I have a huge baby who's 110 pounds, <laughs> and he is my golden retriever named Lincoln. 
And let me just say for a moment that Rachel is kind of like my parenting guru and has been from a very, very long time. So I'm a pediatrician and you would think that I might not have so many questions, but like, no, that is very untrue. Actually, it's very synergistic because she will ask me medical things and I will ask her any kind of behavioral or teacher or sort of general knowledge kid type thing. Um, And I have been since the kids were born. So I'm so excited that you guys will all get to uh, learn from her brilliance as well. And by the way, if you hear any little coos, Genevieve is with us at this moment. Yes, we have a whole Unger she family is. gathering in, <laughs> in Miami Beach here recording. Um, which, you know, just to so our listeners know, I, Sarah, you have a lot of extended family right there, right? It's very intentional that you guys yes. are all living near each other. It is intentional that we live here because we've got Rachel, we've got Josh's parents, we've got Josh's grandparents, we've got many of his three of his aunts and uncles, we've got um, some of their offspring. We've got an aunt in this neighborhood on the other side of the family. I mean, like our thanks. I mean, I mentioned it on the holiday episode, but Rachel, how many people do you think we have at Thanksgiving? Like, oh, like, I mean, it's been upwards of 80 people at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it's definitely not your typical, let's all sit around the same table. Thanksgiving. That would just um, not work. Right? <laughs> no, it doesn't work. I mean, we definitely rent tables, rent chairs, the whole deal, but it's really wonderful because we're very blessed to have a lot of people to love around us. Yeah. And, awesome. and so Sarah, you guys intentionally then looked for jobs at hospitals. Oh yeah. No, I mean, actually it was funny. I was reading my own blog as I do. And I had a post from like 2004 and I made some little line like teehee when we live in Miami. So like this was a a long time um, coming and it was very intentional. Yes. That's awesome. Well, Sarah, I I think you should just lead the charge. Yeah, you can jump in when you have any curiosities, but I will go ahead and ask Rachel all the things I think she needs to tell you guys, all listeners about. Um, So Rachel, you told us about your kids and their ages, um, but tell us a little bit about your work life. Remind us what your husband does and how you guys kind of fit those pieces together. Okay, so my husband is an attorney. Which means I guess I'm established as like the primary parent in terms of taking care of our children, which I think we're going to get to a little bit later, but I don't really have any help in childcare. So let me start with how I became a teacher because I think that's very important. I started teaching in the year 2000. Um, so it's been 18 years. This is my 18th year of teaching. That is unreal. That's actually more unreal to me than your marriage. Yes. That is yes, it is unreal. It does feel unreal. Um, and I've loved pretty much every single year, or at least parts of those years. Um, I graduated from the University of Miami, and I have a master's degree in um, reading and learning disabilities. I got my master's degree while I was already full-time teaching. So I think it's important to mention like how my career has unfolded in that when I was a single, young, just graduated from college teacher, I was able to devote absolutely 100% of my energy to my classroom and to also getting my master's degree. So that shifted um, when I became pregnant, and that was probably about my seventh year of teaching, I think. It was either sixth or seventh year of teaching. I took a leave from the public school system, and I wanted to devote myself basically to raising my child, Max. And once I did that, I had to actually resign from public school systems. So what I shifted into when he was about six months old, I changed kind of the career path, but still in education. And I 
Yeah, you want to? Yeah, something? I was going to say all along, I have a feeling, I mean, I kind of know the answer to this, but, you know, a lot of our listeners like struggle with that. Like, do they want to take time off? How long? Is there, is there a plan for afterwards? I know you didn't think that your leave was going to be permanent. Like, how did you think of that in terms of well, stepping so, back in? Or did you always know you'd go back to the same thing? Or No, that's a good question. So I actually thought that I would take the leave that was given to me, which I think the rules back then were they give you one year and then they guarantee that you'll get your position back, but you have no pay during that time. Okay. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take a year off, raise him. He was born in September. It's perfect. Uh, Start of school year to beginning of the next school year. And it actually came down to the economics of it, that it was going to be too much money to get the type of childcare that I wanted for him, which was in my mind, a full-time nanny. So when I weighed those options, I just decided that it was actually a big decision. I was walking our, our older dog who has passed away, Sebastian, and I was on my cell phone and I was like, I'm not going back to work. I'm not going back to work. And then I ended up getting this opportunity to actually teach parent-child classes at um, our neighborhood temple. So I ended up going back at six months to um, teaching parent-child classes. So I was still in the education field, but it was actually more with the moms and the dads. And I did take an actual official leave from the public school system. So and was part of that also knowing as a teacher and as honestly a highly respected teacher and coveted teacher, because um, she is, um, you knew you could go back. Like, is it a career that you can go back to? Yes, it is a career that you can go back to. The thing that you have to do and you have to be mindful of, and I'm not sure how this is in every state, but definitely in Florida, you need to keep your certification. So I essentially, throughout the three years before I went back to public school, I actually, or actually was it six years? I guess it was six years before I went back to public school. I may be wrong with the math, but... Um, I kept my certification up. So I kept taking college courses and then was able to renew my certificate, which allows me to then get hired again. So it was was very, you kept every option open. Every possible option. So after I taught the parent-child classes, I shifted into teaching pre-kindergarten. Oh, and I had a child in between. So (laughs) Very quickly in between. Yes. When Max was nine months old, I got pregnant with my daughter, Ellie, and um, they're 18 months, one one day shy of 18 months (laughs) apart. Um, So when she was three, I officially went, or two actually, I take it back too. I officially became a pre-kindergarten teacher at the temple where they were attending nursery school. So, And that was your full-time? That was my full-time job. And it worked out really beautifully because they would be where I was all day, but in a different classroom. So I wasn't taking care of them all day. And I was also able to get back to what I truly love, which is teaching. So, And then you went back into the public schools when they were a little bit older then? Yes. So once they were both out of the temple, the pre-kindergarten program, I stayed there for one more year because the public school that I teach at is very hard to get a position as a teacher. Like no one ever wants to leave the school. Agree? Yes, (laughs) I can imagine that. Yeah. So um, I had to kind of go to the principal and basically say, I want to come back to the public school system and I want to teach here. So Rachel, then you eventually got a position back at the school that you really wanted to be in. You had to wait for that to happen because your your position was no longer guaranteed after you'd been out that long, right? And so eventually you found a job there? 
Okay. Yes. And so you go back to teaching full time and your kids are in school. But I think a lot of people have this idea that, oh, you know, you're teaching and your kids are in school. It's the exact same hours, but it doesn't always work that way, right? Well, essentially, yes, you're right. It did not work that way because actually here in Florida, and I'm not sure how it is everywhere, but we are, the younger children actually get out an hour earlier than the But just children. to torment parents, so, I mean, like, yeah. is that the reasoning? I'm just curious. Like, like, yes. within, no, like, it's within the one school. So, meaning yeah. like my kids get out, like, an hour earlier than her kids. Were right. Like, so, okay. if there's ever, like, an emergency, you know, you have to, like, go, I, I would have to, like, leave my classroom, grab Annabelle, and then run her over to my room. It hasn't happened yet, but it could. Um, <laughs> but anyway, what I did was we actually have an incredible enrichment program at our school. So, it's after school enrichment, which is offered essentially from the hours of dismissal up until I want to say around five-ish. Five, I think. But there it's is, not aftercare. There is an aftercare option where you can leave them till like around 6.30, but that's more like um, babysitting. Yeah. So I set, I would sign my children up every single day for a an actual enrichment program. So that could range anywhere from like keyboard to bookmaking to um, art classes. And that is my child's care after school. And it still actually is now three years later still my child you know what Sorry, you should I was also- ask on the morning oh, then too because sometimes contractually I know around here our teachers are required to be in at 8 30 but you can't drop your kids off at the school at 8 30 so there's that issue exactly so it it worked beautifully because we also in another interesting and fun to know fact about Florida schools our younger children start earlier than our older children. And I've always taught the secondary elementary school. So from third through fifth. So currently I'm teaching fifth grade, but when I initially started there, I was teaching third and both of my kids actually started earlier than my day started. So I would run, drop them off at their classroom, kiss them goodbye, tell them I love them and then run up to my room. But you never had an issue where you had to be there. I never had an issue where I had to be there earlier and they couldn't be. But I'm going to ask this too. I'm sorry. I'm just interrupting you. I can't see you too. I know you two are having a conversation. I'm like, I'm leaping in from the, from over here in Philadelphia. Um, But uh, I mean, I would imagine that one of the upsides of being around so much extended family as well is there's, a layer of backup to a degree as well. Yeah. So my big backup comes in when my kids are sick. So if my husband cannot work from home that day, he has hearings or whatever is going on, then I have my mom. So my mom is my backup. Um, Beyond that, I do not have other backup other than (laughs) emergency use of our nanny your nanny exactly because <laughs> i'm not here which so. i think i only had to do that you like rarely one done it. Time. But it's probably nice to know that you like could yes although now your kids are so much older. they're so much older that they can like almost take care of themselves at this point but not when they're sick but they can take care of themselves at my mom's house by turning on netflix and watching some kind of cooking show whatever it is that they need to do so it becomes actually very all easy. right so talk us through like a school day um uh, you know a work day or life in the house on on a typical work day. Yes. So it'll lead us into our next topic, which is things that I do other than working as a teacher. Because yes, there is a lot. And that's actually, yeah, I want to say another big point. So um, my basic day, I, I actually live one block from the school that I teach at. Actually, I don't even think it can be. I think it's less than a block. I think it's less than a block. So I don't have to commute, which is a tremendous blessing. Um, so I wake up before the kids usually, and I make coffee, make a smoothie, 
get the kids up, throw breakfast on the table. It's definitely not very elegant. There's usually fruit involved, but sometimes not. Um, and then we rush off to school. Um, I teach starting at 8.30. Um, unless it's I, two days a week, I actually start teaching at about 7.15 because I do extra early morning tutoring for um, students that are learning a second language, which is English. Uh, which we have a huge population of students here in Miami that are um, follow that protocol. Um, and then after teaching, I actually do homework club. Um, which I is wanted a great you to option. mention that because actually, I don't know if they have this in every district, but parents should look into if they do because if if the qual if the time you spend doing with homework with your kids is not quality time, yes. maybe other schools offer this where they can basically stay after school for an hour with the teacher, get like a tutoring session. You pay the teacher directly, so it's a great way for them to make a little extra money. Your kid gets care and their homework is done. So and and the big thing is that I always find that parents are asking me like I'm having problems completing homework with my child. I number one I don't understand it because once you get to a certain level, it becomes pretty difficult. And number two, we're fighting. Because, you know, your interactions with your children are supposed to be ones of emotional support, social support, but definitely not, you know, which way you're going <laughs> to long divide uh, 252 divided by seven. So I recommend looking into somebody else to work with homework. Um, and it doesn't need to be one-on-one. -on -one. It could definitely be in a group session. So I do offer a uh, homework club four days a week. And then probably four days a week, I will also tutor for an hour after homework club. So my day at work ends at about 5.15, 5.30. Okay. So everybody, like, you know, people always think of teachers, oh, like such short hours, but no. No, not really. Not <laughs> and that doesn't even factor in grading, <laughs> uh, grading papers and, Planning. you know, uh, putting, you know, answering emails and all the other things that are like the general stuff you have to do or get to do as a teacher, which I also do. Um, but that usually I enjoy. Um, okay. So it's 5.15. You're yeah. done with your work day and then what? Okay. So 5.15, I'm done stuff. with the work day. I rush the kids home. I feed them dinner. And usually while they're eating dinner, I work out because I have a, a garage that I've converted into a little bit of a workout room. It's very important to me that 45 minutes to an hour a day. And after that is usually when I start um, any of the extracurricular stuff that I do in terms of my volunteering. So I don't know if you want to get into that. Directly. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about some of that stuff since okay. we're on that. Because um, you have a number. And tell us how you got into it. And has that like evolved over time? Because I'm thinking of it right now with my like little kids babies and stuff. And I'm like, I cannot even imagine fitting that kind of stuff in. So was, tell us what you do. And then was there a, like, how did you build up to the amount that you're doing? So I do a lot. Um, <laughs> and I built up to it probably within the past two years. And I honestly have to say that I really fell into it because a rabbi at the temple that we are members of asked me to be a part of it. So I was on a committee as a lay person and it's called the Social Justice Network, and we do social action, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But basically, she asked me to be a chairperson. And I said to her, you know, this seems like a daunting task. I have a full-time job. And on top of a full-time job, I walk my dog, and I take care of two kids. And I just don't think that I could give it as much as I would want to. 
Um, so then she kind of thought about it and offered me a co-chair position. So when it became a co-chair and I share it with a friend of mine named Myra and we actually work, our personalities work perfectly together. What she's good at, I'm not what I'm good at. She's not as good at. So we really work very well together. Um, anyway, so what our social justice network does is we pick an action item that's important to the community at large. And then we, uh, fully educate the temple community regarding that. So currently this year, our initiative has been on the restoration of voting rights. Um, And the state of Florida is one of three states in the United States of America that does not allow you to regain your voting rights if you commit a felony after you have completed your entire um, sentence. sentence. Uh, That means years in prison, parole, et cetera. So it gets very hard for someone who has gone through that to actually be invested in their community. And in general, the statistics show that they then become reincarcerated. And actually, we succeeded in this action and um, got enough petitions signed to actually get this amendment for the Florida Constitution on the November 2018 ballot. So we're going to be, you know, promoting that initiative. And then last year, we worked on gun violence prevention, and um, we just had a very big tragedy in Florida, which I'm not going to talk too much about because it becomes very emotional. But um, we did, we got involved, and I would recommend this to many of your listeners. It's um, Moms Demand Actions Ask Campaign. Um, And this is something that I had actually not heard of until I started the advocacy. And it's great for younger children. And actually, I know, Laura, you have much older children. In, in, She's got both. Right. She's you've got, got three both. through you, ten. You've got the combination. So we're like, we're, we're together on this comment that I'm about to share with you. But basically, Moms Demand Action um, has a, com- a campaign that they train parents. And it's a quick, like, page on their website where it's before you send your child over to somebody's house for a play date, you ask a few simple questions. Our parents used to ask, do you lock the back door if there's a pool or do you have a pool fence? And we now need to ask, do you have a gun in the house? And if you have a gun in the house, is it locked up? And if it's locked up, is the ammo separated from the firearm? And once you basically get the answers to all these questions, you can decide on your comfort level whether or not you want your child to go to that play date or if you want to host the play date. And I have to say, the first time I asked the question, it was very hard. But ever since then, it's been just part of my questions. And your movement has worked because I have been asked that question. So, yeah. yeah. You've been asked, I'm sure. I, I, I know who. Yes. <laughs> By someone who I educated. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that volunteering has actually led me into um, becoming a part of another major organization in Miami-Dade uh, that's called PACT, which is People Acting Community Together. And they are an interfaith organization, and I serve on their gun violence prevention um, group. And through this program, we not only educate people, but we also actually advocate for change in the government's um, protocol for different things. And that's been really fulfilling. So, so Rachel, um, like when you're thinking about this from the term of like how your your time winds up working, like I think a lot of our yeah. listeners are you know, certainly interested in volunteering, I think they may be slightly wary of taking on leadership roles, partly because of 
you know, again, the full-time job, as you said, having kids, what made you think that that was something you could fit in your life? I mean, did you look at it sort of objectively? Like, I know this will take this many hours, or I know that I could devote, you know, one evening a week or one evening every two weeks or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I'm curious how you sort of made that um, calculation. So when my children were very young, I did not do it. I actually was like on one committee and I would volunteer, you know, it was like every other month and I would attend something as a lay person. I was not directly involved. And if I did anything directly, it was with like two other people so that we all shared the responsibilities. So that's sort of where it began. Um, and then as I saw that that worked out, you know, as my children got older, they need a little bit less of me. So when I'm home during that like hour or two hours before my meetings start, I was able to compartmentalize the timing by, by thinking of it in that um, when I'm at my meeting, they're showering, they're brushing their teeth, and they're going to bed. Things they could do independently or... With, you yeah, know, my husband's husband, supervision. Yeah. And, and I felt totally comfortable that I don't need to be a part of every single teeth brushing, every single shower. Um, I have missed out on a couple of baseball games and basketball games here and there, but they're left with their father with them. So I feel like that's what's been able to make it And in it some work. ways, that's probably a good thing because then they get to have that quality time with Mike that otherwise you'd be there and it wouldn't quite well, be and the how, same. Right. So I think people forget yeah, well, your father, that your father that could there. actually be a benefit. But how do, yeah. you, exactly. yeah, how do exactly. you deal with that with him then? Because I think another thing our listeners might be wondering is like, well, I'm worried that my partner might you know, resent that I'm you know, gone or that he or she has to cover this time when I'm out doing this. Like, I, I'm curious if you've had any conversations along those lines. Well, we definitely have. And if there's, and we've also overbooked ourselves because sometimes he has after work activities or he has um, work days that don't end, you know, when he's actually preparing for a trial, he won't get home until late. And if I have a committee meeting or something that I need to attend, um, I will drop my kids off at my parents and then it'll be like, I, <laughs> this is how I go with Tupperwares in hand of their dinner and everything described on top on a, with a post-it note, you know, explaining exactly what they need to do. And then I pick them up before bedtime. Cause Mike doesn't know what it's, it's not like, so I guess it's a little too unpredictable. It's a little unpredictable that portion of it, but I sort of will give him a heads up. So on Sunday nights, um, logistically, I like look at my week. I book everything through my calendar, and I know Sarah wants to ask me about my organization. Yes, we're ask that next. <laughs> not, yes, and I, and neither one of you is going to like my answer, so be prepared. Uh, but anyway, so what I do is on Sunday nights, I like look at my week, and I let him know when my meetings are scheduled. And if I feel like we have a shared calendar through our iPhone, and if the if it's a you know a family calendar and i'll put major things that i cannot miss on a family calendar now the other aspect is because my kids are are essentially 9 and 10 i take them to a lot of this with me oh, um, and that's a really empowering moment for me and for them because they know me as a teacher mom but that's what they call me, a teacher mom. Um, and when they're able to see me lead a meeting at the temple that's regarding social action, and I do talk to them about all of these different things that I'm advocating for, because I want to raise socially active children, meaning, you know, injustice work. And so they'll come with me. And then what sometimes will work out is we live in a 
great neighborhood. So I can just get a text from my husband and he'll be like, I'm in the driveway of the temple and I just let them run down. So if there's like an overlap. Which also, by the way, is a half a block commute. (laughs) Yeah, also a half a block commute across the street from our elementary school. So I think logistically, I am very lucky and I don't think this works out for everyone. So it's a choice. I mean, this is a choice. choice. And so, I mean, there's certain things here that there, you know, we talk to people who have long commutes. I mean, not that they have perfect choice in this matter either, but if you think about it, the time you devote to, for instance, a commute or that it might take to get to stuff that you're living far away from. I mean, you can pretty much probably absorb a lot of your community involvement and your volunteering activities within that time that other people would be devoting to being in the car. (laughs) I mean, so. Yes. And I mean, most people ask me, they're like, how do you do it? And it's a very hard question to answer because it gives me anxiety. But then I just say, I just do it, you know? So it just works out. And until the moment that it doesn't, I'm going to keep, you know, this, uh, lifestyle going because it works for me it clearly works for her yeah, yeah. so your, your planning so. process is the, 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 <laughs> yeah, the Sunday I, night I, I, I can't wait for your answer to this okay because so I wrote process. let me give you a little bit like I wrote on you know, I, I like, like the question you Sarah, not, can you read the question you're not the psycho planner that I am <laughs> And sometimes I think you really think I am sick. <laughs> Only you, about planning, not about anything else. How do you manage all the details? Because you do a great job. And she does. I mean, like she's actually, I mean, that's a funny thing. Like, I think one of my planning strategies is I just don't do, I'm like, oh, we're having a family dinner. Oh, I'm bringing like the napkins. Like, sorry. Right. Like I, it's like, she knows, like it's true. And she's like, shows up with like five different things that she's made by hand. No, don't um, go crazy. Maybe three things. I don't know. So like, really, there. it's like, no matter what your system is it clearly works for a style of person because she gets it done so yeah so I share your secrets so my I, I don't it's not really such a secret but basically we're very lucky right now that we all communicate through emails and every single email basically has either a calendar invite on it or a create event when you tap on that nice little blue section and it creates a calendar event for me so whenever I'm on a committee or I need something to be done I literally tap on that little thing and I set alerts one day before one hour before and my big planning is that I look at my schedule for the week on Sunday night and I'm just like all right I know no meeting Monday and I I mean I I need you all to know that like essentially I have meetings Monday through Thursday so Friday what night do you not have a meeting is like the question. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I definitely would say like three out of the four nights I have meetings. That's conservatively a way because I'm also on the board of trustees at the temple. So I divide my time there as well. But these are all things that I love doing. So for planning, I just make sure that it's on my calendar. If something is not on my calendar, I will miss it. Or I will completely be like, wait a minute, getting the email or the evite reminder the day before. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't put that on my calendar. And then quickly put it in and overnight a gift from Amazon directly to the person rather than actually bringing one. Um, So I'm definitely not perfect. And probably there's something I could learn from your planning. No, I think that's a great answer. But the way our brains work are very different. I don't need to see it on paper. I need to just know and... I don't know. My brain holds a lot of this information in and I just know my days. it doesn't bother you. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't keep me up at night. So (laughs) I think that's how it works for me. So Rachel, can I go back to something? I think we'd skipped over a little bit earlier, but Sarah and I are dying to know because of course, 
You, ooh, ooh, and you know what? I think this would count as our Q&A. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. right, let's make this our Q&A segment. segment. Okay, well, then we'll do love of the week after the Q&A this time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, yes, well just, yes. I have a good love of the well, week. Well, <laughs> my Q&A was going to be about, like, you know, what teachers want parents to know. Was that what? Yes, okay, yes, okay yes. good. Um, yeah. so what you want from parents. So you're running a classroom. We have kids in classrooms. What do you want us to do? What is can we do that's helpful? But what do parents do that also, like, gets on your nerves, too? Okay, so... It's a very touchy subject. <laughs> I will definitely name names on this podcast. <laughs> yes, I will not name names. I promise. Time. But no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, truthfully, um, I have taught in many environments. I taught in the inner city in my early career when I was very young, and I essentially had zero parent involvement because um, the parents were working sometimes two and three jobs at a time, and so essentially the school was their caregiver. So they would be dropped off when the gates opened at 7 a.m. And they would be picked up when the gates closed at 6.30. So that's my initial teaching experience. Um, So I never relied on the parents as a resource for making my classroom work. Now I'm in a very different environment, which is, you know, the PTA is tremendous. We have something called Friends of Our School, and it's incredible because they do a lot of fundraising and outreach for the school. And really coming from where I came from, it's such a treat to be able to have these resources. Um, So, but one thing being said is that I want every parent to know, I'm going to generalize here, but that all teachers have have the same, if not a similar mindset in that we're there for the kids and we want successful children. Not only do I want them to be successful academically, that's very important, but I want socially, emotionally supported children. I mean, we teach elementary school. They're going to learn. They're going to understand things. Yes, you know, multiplying fractions is not easy the first time you learn it, but eventually you're going to get it. So I really want the support from the parents, not so much like, well, why isn't it a B or why is it a C? And oh my gosh, gosh, like it's a D, what happened? We'll support that. We'll figure that out. The end grade is going to be okay. But really I want support for knowing that you and I want the same thing for your child, for them to be a success. Um, And I think sometimes that gets lost in translation, especially I see a big shift from the primary elementary grades where the parents are looking to the teacher for guidance to the secondary um, elementary grades where it becomes a little bit more like, well, what you're not doing enough for my child or why didn't you show them this? Or, and so then I have to go into, well, actually we did and they may not have brought it home and shown you. And so then there's a little bit of like going back and forth, but I really truly believe that we're all there for the same purpose, success for children, behaviorally, emotionally, academically, all of it. Do you feel like um, parents are, do they give kids enough independence today? Do you feel like that's a problem? So I think that I can speak to that as a parent of my children and also what I would love to see in my classroom. So My kids, like I told you, are in third and fourth grade. And if I find that they're not understanding something, I actually have given them the skills to go in and advocate for themselves. So if they come home and they don't understand their home learning, 
of course I can help them. I mean, that's my job. I taught all of their grades. I understand the concepts and I understand common core math, believe it or not. (laughs) Um, So I believe that you have to start giving them little empowerment. So they need to know, to go into their teacher and say, listen, Miss Third Grade Teacher, I am not understanding this. Is there any time today where you could sit with me and sort of work through it? So rather than become their teacher or like help do it for them, you want to teach them yeah. how to troubleshoot. And then if that doesn't, if, if that's not successful, of course, I'm going to teach them. I'm not going to let like gaping holes happen in their education, but I want them to know that that's a lifelong skill. As an adult, you need to be able to do that. Um, and so I would love to see that happen across the board for parents to kind of like empower their kids to go in. Ooh, I, have, the, I have a follow-up. Yeah. This, well, go it's ahead. a little bit of a different side of the coin. Parents in our district, there are many, there are some that stay at home, maybe not as much in the class you're teaching currently, but there are some that stay at home. Mm-hmm. There are some that work. Those of us that work may be less inclined to sign up for a lot of extra volunteer type opportunities to judge us. No. <laughs> so I, I, when I was getting ready for this, I was like, I feel sad that you have to think that actually. So teachers do not judge parents at all. I mean, we have families that are coming from all different walks of life that go to our same school. So you could have a parent that could be there from first thing in the morning till dismissal, volunteering and doing all those types of things. I don't think that they're better than you are because they're involved at school. I think that they just have a different choice that they're making. Um, And I also respect the fact that my job is actually supposed to be done in conjunction with you, but not reliant upon you being there. Um, I do have one thing that I find really works for communication with parents because I would feel like maybe as a working parent that you feel like you're not maybe so much at the school and mm-hmm. a presence at the school. So I use something called the Remind app where I can actually send out messages to the entire class through my phone and the parents can actually respond to me individually um, as though it were a text conversation um, without having my cell phone number. And if I need to, I can turn it off, put it on do not disturb, you know, um, or I can leave it open and I get messages like, can you help explain this math problem all the way through, listen, there was maybe a disagreement at PE that you weren't aware of. Can you discuss it with my child tomorrow? And all of those things are things that I want to know. Um, So I love that open line of communication. And obviously I hope this supports what you're asking. Um, I feel like emailing the teacher and always making them aware of what you're thinking is better than letting things ruminate. And then all of a sudden being like, oh my goodness, now we have this big problem. I mean, simple as like multiple homeworks not being understood to as grand as someone being made fun of and you know, brushing it away for a second and, and then really it becoming a problem, but the teacher doesn't know about it. So communication is key. Awesome. Okay. Well, that made me feel better. All right. Well, this was awesome. I think. Do love of the um, week. Do you have anything else before we do love of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So do I start? Uh, Unless you want us to go first. (laughs) Yeah. I like yours. Go for it. Okay. So 
My love of every single week of my life since I started high school has been coffee. Uh, but I just threw that one in there. But my real true love of the week right now is um, my new workout program, which is by Beachbody Fitness, and it is 80-day obsession. So I'm giving a huge shout-out to Autumn Calabrese, who is my virtual trainer. I feel like you are my friend, and I thank you for getting me through every single exercise She might listen to Best of Both Worlds. You never know. Listen, Autumn, if you're listening... I love you, and you're amazing, and I've learned a lot from you, and my arms also thank you. Yeah, she's got great arms. No, um, yeah, Rachel does Beachbody. That's one of my motivations behind doing not just running but other stuff. Although yeah. I haven't made – well, I've done some. I'll tell yeah. you about it later. Anyway, okay, my love of the week um, is actually – it's a, a theme from all the stuff you're talking about. I do love the Remind app that you mentioned, but actually I super love the, the fact that you know technology allows us – we have a, a WhatsApp group of the entire kindergarten class. So um, if a kid is sick, someone can write, oh, my kid was sick. Can you – someone send me a screenshot of the homework. So it's super easy to get the homework. Or as recently happened, someone can text – and it it wasn't us in this particular case. My child has lice. So everybody was able to check their kids, make sure that we nip anything in the bud before it spreads all over the place. And I just think, um, I don't think we were able to do that easily, or at least no one did do that easily back in the day. There were like phone chains and stuff. Um, and I'm sure there's Facebook groups, but for those of us not on Facebook, the WhatsApp feature has been awesome. So that's my love of the week. That is great. All right. Mine is being able to make copies at home on my printer. <laughs> like, you know, through the advances in office supply technology that I used to have to go to Kinko's or FedEx or something to make copies of stuff. And I recently, today, as we were recording this this morning, we had an appointment to get two of the children's passports renewed which involved a wide variety of documentation and black and white copies of said documentation. Uh, and it was all good. I had that stuff. I didn't have to go anywhere to get it. So that was great. It's true. We live in a great age. We live in a wonderful age. <laughs> Make copies of everything. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, episode 31. We've been broadcasting from Miami Beach with the the whole Unger family in one room. Um, so uh, it's it's been great talking with you, Rachel. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.